On Christ the King Sunday, our tradition as New Community Covenant Church is to tell stories, to tell testimonies about how Christ is king in our individual lives. Because it's one thing for us to say that Christ is king. It's one thing to read stories about it from the scriptures. It's something entirely different for you and I to tell each other how Christ is king in our life today. Amen? Before we do that, I'm priming the pump. I'm just letting you know that that's coming, okay? So those of you who are like, not me. No, you, 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 okay? Uh, I'm going to just say a couple of words from uh, our passage this, for- this morning, Psalm chapter uh, 46. We used the first half for our call to worship, and then you heard Kalia read the second portion uh, just a minute ago. In verse 1, the psalmist tells us that God is present in trouble. Is that good news? God is present in trouble. He goes on to say that God is present when nations are in uproar and when kingdoms fall. Now that's a, that's a big deal. That's important. I'm sorry, I got distracted by Kingston's got a sweet tie on over there. So, my man, you look great. God is present to us in trouble. When nations fall, when kingdoms are in uproar, God is present. This is what the psalmist tells us, but this is not uh, just something for us to consider every once in a while. Jesus carries this theme forward himself. In John chapter 16 and 33, Jesus tells his disciples, in this world you will have what? Come on, say it like you know. He will have trouble. You will have trouble. As the psalmist says, nations will fall, kingdoms will be in uproar, there will be trouble. Jesus says, yep, there will be trouble in this world, but take heart, I have overcome the world. In this world, in this life, there's going to be trouble, Jesus says just like the psalmist says. But in the same way that the psalmist says that God will be present in times of trouble, when nations are in uproar, Jesus says, take heart, I've overcome the world. You'll have trouble, the trouble will not overcome you because I've overcome the source of your trouble. You'll have trouble in this world, but don't worry because I've overcome the very source of that trouble. This is good news, amen? The early Christian church had different symbols that it would use to express its faith. The cross actually didn't come along until a little bit later. It was a too bloody a symbol of sort of, uh, of execution and state-sponsored torture. The church didn't adopt that right away. One of the earliest symbols that the church used to show its faith was the anchor. And they used the anchor because they took Jesus seriously when he said, you're going to have trouble in this life. In the same way that the psalmist said, there will be trouble, nations will be in uproar, kingdoms will fall. They took Jesus seriously that they would have trouble in this life. But that, in the same way that the storm waves didn't overcome Jesus and his disciples in the boat, that they would not be overcome by trouble in this world. The anchor was the symbol of their faith that there would be trouble, that there would be storms, that there would be waves, that there would be tsunamis, but that they would not be overcome by that trouble. The psalmist says, nations will be in uproar, kingdoms will fall, but God will be present to you in that trouble. And then in verse 8, the psalmist goes on to say, come and see what the Lord has done. Remember his vantage point, his starting point is trouble, is nations falling apart, kingdoms in uproar. And he says, in this place, with these circumstances, come and see what the Lord has done. That's interesting. My sense is that most of 
us wait until things get better before we tell anybody, come and see what the Lord has done. Most of us want to get to the other side of the thing. I don't know what your thing is. It's the person, it's the job, it's the bank account, it's the whatever. We want to get to the other side of the thing, and then we want to say, come and see what God has done for me. I was over there, and he brought me over here. And the psalmist says, in this place, while there is still trouble, while the nations are in uproar, while the kingdoms fall, come and see. Come and hear what God has done for us. Even here, church, God is at work. Even now, God is good. I mean, I need a little help this morning. Even now, even here, God is for you. God is present. God is good. But then look at at verse 10. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. That second part there, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. What tense is that? Future. It was present, and then he shifts to the future. I will, I will, God will. And so not, not only are you and I called to bear witness and to testify to God's goodness in this time, in this place, whatever that thing is for you, you and I are also called to be a people of faith and great humility in this time and place. We are a people who can act absolutely expect in this time, in this place, in this season to know God's goodness, to see it, to feel it, to touch it, to watch God come through for us. Yes, absolutely. Come and see. And by faith, look forward to what God will do. You see the tension God's not going to leave you completely on your own in this time and place, in whatever season that you find yourself in. There will be testimonies. There will be evidence. There will be experience because the, the Most High God dwells in you and among us. And there's a call to live by faith. There's a call to expect God to do even greater things, even more for us. So there's two things for us in this time, in this place. One, whatever the desert, whatever the wilderness looks like to you, one is to look around and to expect that even here, God's doing something good in your life. That even here, God is present, God is for you, God is merciful, God is just right now. Don't miss it. Because there's a lot of noise that wants to distract you right now. Amen? There's a lot of static that wants to distract you right now. And the psalmist says, no, 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 right now, while the kingdoms are in uproar, while nations fall, while trouble hounds you, even now God is good for you, with you, and by faith, by faith, you look forward to God's promises. You look forward to what God will do. It's both. It's both. We look for evidence of God's presence, and we live by humility and faith for what God is going to do. Verse 11, the psalmist ends by saying, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. There's a way in which 
something like that, the Lord Almighty is with us, can sound a bit like a a spiritual truism, something you're supposed to say. But that cannot be the case for those of us who are Christians. To say that the Lord Almighty is with us can never be just a thing that we say to make ourselves or somebody else feel better. Because the Lord being with us is the essence of our Christian faith. The God who did not remain a long ways away is our God. The God who entered into the confusion and the chaos of our lives is our God. This is central to our faith. Matthew 1 and 23, Joseph is hearing about the son that will be born to his fiancée Mary, and he hears the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When the psalmist says that the Lord Almighty is with us, this is not a a nice way to wrap up the psalm. This is not a, a nice thing to say or a cute thing to believe. It's central to our faith that God has come near to us. That God has drawn near to us. That Emmanuel, God with us, is our God. Help me, help me. Amen? So this is why when we tell our stories, like we'll do in just a minute, when we share our testimonies of what God is doing in our lives, of how Jesus is king, we do so in the pattern of Jesus who came to be with us. What does this mean? It means that we tell our stories, we share our testimonies of what God is doing in our lives, even in the midst of trouble. It means that when we stand to share our stories, when we grab somebody in the hall and say, you need to know what God has done, we're not telling the end of the story. We're telling the middle of the story. We're we're talking about what God is doing for us right now in this time and this place. Amen? We're talking about the God who has drawn near to us in our lives as they currently exist. We don't need to hear any stories about how your life was horrible and now it's perfect. That doesn't help anybody in the room today. And I would venture to say it's not quite true. Now, maybe your life is better than it was before. Awesome. (laughs) I hope it is. But for those who follow the Jesus who, drew new t- who draws near to us in our trouble and as nations rage, we tell stories in the midst of our chaos and our trouble. Amen? It's a reflect. The way we tell our stories, our testimonies, is a reflection of Emmanuel. God with us now. Right now. And I... I know this is a stretch for some of us this morning because some of us know how our story is supposed to end. We know this person who we're dating, we know how this is supposed to end. This job that is not what it should be, we know how it's supposed to end, or we think we do, right? So let me just wait, let me get through this, and then I can share my story. And then I can encourage you with my testimony. But God draws near to us right where we are now. And we can acknowledge that we don't know the end of the story. That we don't know how this thing plays out, how this relationship resolves. 
in faith and humility, we can hang on to God's promises and say, right now, this is how Jesus is king in my life. Right now, this is how I experience the presence of God in my life. Our testimonies, our stories are not contingent on our circumstances. We talk about our circumstances. We share how God is present. But our ability to share our story is not contingent on any particular circumstance in our life. Christ is our king. And that means he's king right now. And that means that you and I have stories to tell that are unfinished, that are messy, that are maybe uncomfortable, but are absolutely a a reflection of how Jesus is king in our lives today. Amen? Amen? So we need to hear your stories today. And all we ask is that you uh, share in some way that is relevant and applicable to your life right now. This is how Jesus is king in my life. It can have to do with work. It can have to do with spiritual struggle. It can have to do with where you live. Whatever, fill in the blank. This is how Jesus is king in my life right now. As Christians, we believe that our testimonies are never only for us. Amen? What God has done in your life is never only for you. It is for you. It is for your good. But it's always for the good of the person sitting next to you as well. Amen? And I want to suggest to you that after the past couple of weeks, we are in desperate need of your story. That after the past couple of weeks, We are in desperate need of hearing from one another say, this is what it looks like for Jesus to be king right now. Because some of us are struggling to see it. Amen? Some of us, our vision has gotten kind of cloudy. Our hope has gotten kind of small. And so we need to, to hear from Dennis. We need to hear from Teddy. This is what God is doing in my life right now. This is how I'm seeing Jesus be king right now. And some of you, I'm sorry, I'm belaboring this, but I'm about to turn this over to you. Some of you are like, ah, it's too small. It's not powerful. No, 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 no. We need to hear the small things. We need to hear the unfinished things. Amen? Amen. Okay, so how do we want to do this? I need, uh, Joe, could you help me out, please? We're going to have mics available on the side. And uh, I'm going to just say to you, I am not scared to call people out. So I'm going to give you a couple minutes to sit awkwardly and quietly. And then I know that God's doing stuff in people's lives, so I'm going to start calling you out at that point. Okay? So when you're ready to share, just uh, raise your hand and we'll get a mic to you. I was like being the first kid in class to share, so I'll just do that now. Um, so my name is Michelle, to some of you who I don't know, a lot of new people. Um, and something that I've been struggling with over the last couple of weeks is the label of like the white evangelical voter, because I would consider myself the white evangelical voter, and that is not exactly a group that I am most excited to be associated with right now in our country. Um, but something that I've shared with my community group this week, so I apologize for the repeat for some of you, um, is that God has really been taking me on a very long journey towards this idea of, like, 
reconciliation. Um, and to those of you who don't know, my family immigrated from South Africa. So you don't get a much more racist group than the white South Africans. Um, and we came after apartheid ended because apartheid ending severely disadvantages white people in South Africa. So like the racial history of my family is not a positive one, the very, very immediate history. Um, and in high school, I went to a school that probably you could have counted on one hand the number of people who weren't white. Um, went to a college, never associated really with people who weren't white unless they just kind of happened into my vision, but it wasn't like intentional. Um, but when I applied to a program and got called to Chicago, I ended up being placed at an all African American school. Um, I came, somehow found my way to this church. Um, and then through the process of that, of coming to love the families of the kids at my school, love many of the people here, and this is a body, um, fell in love with a Korean man and married him and moved to Bronzeville. Like, none of this should have been true for someone who came from a background like mine. So I think that's something that when you say, like, testimony should be for other people, I think, like, I'm seeing so much frustration with, like, who are these, like, white voters in middle America? Well, like, that's kind of me. But, like, God has, like, moved me on a journey. And that really shows me that God is able to move anybody. Um, and I realize that that's not the case right now, and that there's a lot of, like, hate in this country right now, and that people are in many places on that journey. But I think that, yeah, my life right now would not be possible without God. It wasn't me who did this. So... Hi, my name is Shelby. For those of you who don't know me, I've been going here for almost four years. Um, I guess one thing I've seen God acting in my life is with my family, and um, probably one of the few who is excited to go home for Thanksgiving, um, <laughs> which is kind of a new thing. Um, my relationship with my parents, especially my mom, hasn't always been easy. And um, when I, God took me on the journey of becoming aware of racial inequality and opening my eyes to things in this country, I started sharing that with my parents, and they just sort of looked at me like I was crazy. Um, but weirdly, this election has brought us closer together, <laughs> of all the things. Um, and I've had some really good conversations with my mom, particularly about, um, you know, systematic racism and sexism, and she's sort of becoming aware of these things. And um, they live in Kentucky, which is very red. <laughs> And she's really been struggling because she's like, why Why did people vote this way? Why are my friends thinking this way? Um, so it's been a really good opening for some honest conversations. Um, so I'm very thankful for that and hoping they continue over the holiday. Amen. Uh, I just want to just briefly say... Uh, just a testimony uh, just for the conversations I've had since the election um, have been, you know, have consisted of a lot of rooms and groups of people that look just like this. And this to me, this is what, this is America right here. This is the body of Christ. And uh, whatever the myth of the, uh, you know, there's the actual evangelical person 
to which white doesn't really apply. And then this other group that kind of wears that like a shirt or a button, but doesn't actually pursue Christ and maybe hasn't ever opened a Bible. Um, but this, this is the body. This is encouraging to me. This is evidence of God with us. This right here. Your testimony doesn't have to be about the election, just so you all know. It's fine if it is, but just, you know, just to clarify. Thanks, Darius. I had to fight the awkward silence. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. Good job. Um, many of you guys know that uh, Garen, my husband, um, was diagnosed with a brain tumor in, at the beginning of July. And um, we went through some very dark times of um, not really knowing what the future was going to hold. And um, through it all, we did feel extremely supported by you guys. Um, we knew that you were praying for us, and that meant the world to us. Um, and I'm actually um, able to share some really good news. Um, we went to Mayo Clinic just last weekend and found out that um, the tumor is not growing, which they had told us at Northwestern that it was. Um, so they, long story short, MRIs take slices of pictures of um, your brain in slices, and so it can look, depending on where the MRI takes the picture, like it's growing. But um, the experts there assured us that they think it is not. So that basically um, gave us a feeling of like a new lease on life. So we're, we're just so thankful um, to God for, first of all, um, this, him being there with us through it all. Um, and then second, just this really, really good news. I mean, it's the difference of like having like life and death, literally. So, so we're very, very thankful. Um, so I'm Jesse. For those of you that don't know me, I've been going here for a few years, but I am a medical resident. Um, I live in Washington Park, um, sort of by my own accident, but by God's purposes. And um, I have been really praying to like um, get to know the people in my building and have been really frustrated over the last um, year and a half or so since I've been living there because I am just so busy with work that I haven't really been able to build relationships with the people as quickly as I wanted to. And so God has really just um, taught me, like, I guess, patience and um, the power of remaining. Um, and so I I guess I've just been, like, really frustrated lately with God and um, just being like, you know, why why would I, like, why am I, like, spending so much time here if I'm not being able to build these relationships? Um, and last night I <laughs> drove home from work and um, or from um, something that I was doing and was planning on going straight to bed, and then my neighbors were standing outside, um, and they invited me into their home for the first time ever. Um, and they, um, the, it's like an older couple, um, and the woman was like, she's a Mary Kay consultant, and so she was like, do you want a facial? Um, and I was like, sure. So um, I got a free facial, and then um, they made me cider, and we just sat and talked for like an hour and a half. 
Um, and I was like, you know, I'm so glad that I didn't like stay where I was staying longer or um, go in and go to bed five minutes earlier. It was just like purposely purposed. Yeah. Um, really showed me that um, my neighbors were serving me instead of me trying to serve them. It was just, um, I guess, like a, a great um, gift of God. Hi, my name is Susan. Uh, this is like my fourth Sunday here. Um, so I, before coming to Chicago to study um, Islam at UChicago, um, I lived in Lebanon for two years. And I think those times were like really challenging, but also just times where I, like I felt like I couldn't get through the day without really like praying to God first thing in the morning yeah. and just like asking for his help because uh, there was a lot of just, physical and emotional, um, like, challenges. And so I just felt like, and I think during those times I felt that if I ever go back to the States, like, life will be really good. Things will be more stable. Um, I will feel more secure about the stability of that nation. Um, And, uh, yeah, and I'll have these great professors. And, you know, I love running, and I, I could, like, run freely outside. And, I think I had this like dream of what life in America would be like once I go back. Um, and I'm back, and I have tendonitis, and so I can't run. <laughs> um, and my professors that I was really looking forward to working with just told me, you know, he's retiring. Um, and also, the election happened. And so I think, on, I think on Thursday, I just woke up, and, you know, I started praying in a way that I haven't in, like, you know, a while since yeah. leaving Lebanon because I realized, like, yeah. my sense of, like, a good life or a secure future isn't, you know, isn't for, isn't just for America. Like, it doesn't belong to being in America or being an American. It belongs, like, you could be in a war zone and yeah. things could be really good yeah. or you could live in America and things could seem really bleak. Yeah. Um, but I had just forgotten what it felt like to um, start out with just, like, a desperate, um, yeah. like desperately crying out for God's presence because yeah. that seemed like the only thing that I could hold on to yeah. as a secure promise. Um, so he kind of brought that back, and I'm really happy about it, but also just like, why does it have to be so bleak yeah. for me to actually cry out to God? Yeah. But maybe he just does it in cycles, and I don't know. I went to go get my husband because I didn't want to talk about him and he wasn't present. (laughs) I would have told you whatever she says. I don't want everybody to turn around, so I'm going to come this way so you don't have to break your necks. But first, um, I'm just thankful for God to God for being here, um, for all of you. And first, I just want to say I'm thankful to see my Eric, my Dr. Gray's anatomy. We keep in touch. He prays for me. I pray for him. So I'm just glad to see him. I'm just glad to see him on today. I missed him. But um, I just want to um, give a testimony of how um, Christ has been king in not only my life, but in my husband's life and our marriage. Um, March will be five years. March will be nine years together. Um, 
and next June, I think, will be 20 years of friendship. Um, but um, some of you know some of our story, but we've been through an awful lot. You know, um, some low times, some decent times, and some, some good times. Um, um, when I decided to trust God, um, because I worked for the state, I just was not happy. I just wasn't happy. had a what they considered a good government job, but I wasn't happy, and I knew that there were some things that um, God wanted me to do. I wanted to be more present for my husband. I wanted to be more present for my grandmother. I just wanted to be able to be flexible and do some things. So we talked about it, and the day that was my last day before I took leave was the day my husband lost his job. So I was like, okay, God. You know, I asked him, do you want me to stay? He said no. Um, But um, I can say that God has been faithful. Um, We've been able to pay, and we just bought a house. So we've been able to pay our mortgage. You know, nothing has been cut off. Um, We're not starving. So um, I'm thankful to God for that. And um, anybody that's married knows marriage isn't easy. And um, I know that I can get on his nerves. You you see a little bit of what I do when things aren't right with the music. So you can imagine (laughs) what he has to deal with. But... um, And, um, you know, with marriage, you get on each other's nerves, you know, and all of that. But, um, like, for those that are getting married or thinking about getting married, one thing um, that has kind of held us together, I believe, is don't forget that you were friends first. You know, sometimes friends will listen to some things that lovers might not want to listen to. So um, that's important. But, um, you know, just not to – I might hear it later, but not to put our business out there. We've just been through – a lot. My husband has end-stage renal disease, and he's in need of a kidney, but God hasn't allowed him to really miss a beat, and I'm thankful for that. Um, we have lost children with the uncertainty of having any more, but God has been faithful through that. Um, so I'm just thankful to God for all of the mountains, all of the valleys that he's brought us through, and one of my prayers when I got married, we both were raised in church, but um, he was AME. I was Pentecostal. That's a little different. But one of my prayers was I always wanted to be able to pray with my husband, you know, um, and I didn't know how to really go about it. I knew, but I wanted to, you know, make sure that it was comfortable for him. But anyhow, long story short, God has allowed us to pray together, and it helps tremendously. Uh, So if you don't pray with your spouse, pray with your spouse. It truly, truly helps. Also, he was born into an AME church, and I I had grown to love all of you, and I wanted him to come, wanted him to come, wanted him to come. He was like, yeah, I'll come, you know, I'll visit, blah, blah, blah. But I'm not leaving my church. But anyhow, um, I'm just thankful that he decided that he loves you as much as I love you. And he's here. He serves now with Chris on hospitality. And he went to new members class and did his application that I didn't know he did. So that's just an answer prayer. Um, It's just an encouragement for me and for anybody else. Don't stop praying about something. You know, and I am impatient. It may not come in your time. But it's going to come, so don't, don't stop praying yeah. about it. It'll come right when you need it. Yes. 
Hi, good morning, everybody. Good morning. I'm Linda. I'm Leah's mom, and <laughs> I've been here. I'm really a visitor to the church, but I think I've been here often enough. I feel like it's like my second church, so I feel really cool about that. <laughs> uh, so I just want to thank God for some sweet memories that we have. And first of all, I just want to say again, um, a couple years ago, Leah's dad passed away, and my husband and it was a sad time, but I really want to say thank you to all of you for being so supportive, and um, you're a big part of our healing. You know, all the food that you sent, the prayers, and the support. So I want to say thank you for that. And the thing that I want to praise God for this morning is Matt. He's a young man of the Lord that Leah's going to be marrying. And <laughs> really happy about that. And the thing that in a way, is well, of course it's sad because Sam's, or Sam is not going to be there physically present. We feel that he's rejoicing in heaven. Amen. Amen. We believe that. Amen. But the thing that the Lord, and I think the story about the neighbor that gave you the facial, it, it makes me realize that the Lord remembers the little things that yes. we need. Yes. And even a little thing that we think is no big deal at the time is a big thing. That's and the right. story I'm thinking about is when Dad met Matt at at Wheaton College a few years ago, it was a brief meeting like Leah and Matt were good friends. And my husband and I were waiting in line for a parents' night at the college. And I believe Dad was talking to Matt a lot. And to me, that's real important to have that memory that Sam met Matt. And I don't know why, but that's so important. And like everybody I talk about Matt to at work and my friends, I say, do you know that Sam met him? And, <laughs> and it's just so important. So I just want to praise God amen. for that sweet memory. My name is Alora. I've been having a pretty uh, tough, <laughs> tough month. Um, um, sorry. But sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's been a tough month. Um, my mom's um, Parkinson's have. Um, has um, progressed a lot. Um, and there's been a point where, you know, I've been so angry at God and just asking why, like, why her? Um, she's, like, she's the rock of our family um, in terms of faith. And I think I just, um, it's just been hard. Um, but through it all, I feel like um, God's just been reminding me that um, I'm just with Teddy's support, um, being there with our family and all the little things. Um, you know, Teddy happens to be working with a lot of Parkinson's patients. It wasn't something that he, like, specialized in at, at, as an occupational therapist, but for him to be working with a bunch of Parkinson's patients and my mom having Parkinson's and him being able to help our family out when we're all in a little bit of a panic or we're not as stable. Um, Teddy's been that rock that that we needed as a family. 
Um, and, and then just to see my dad caring for my mom and my brothers being there, even though we're not there, um, I think through this all, uh, I'm learning to just trust and have faith in God through all of this, um, and just learning to be thankful, um, for everything that he's given us, um, and I think just like Pastor David said, is just walking in faith, and that 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 depending on him and walking in faith and and believing in God and believing that he is a healer, um, not just physically or mentally, but even relationally with our family. If it's not my mom, there are things that God is working out for good, like our marriage or. Um, my brother's relationship with me and, you know, us getting closer together as a family, um, that I, you know, that that, that that is good and that, that that is God's work, too. So. Good morning. Good morning. Um, my name is Regina. I'm Pastor Michelle's mom, those of you who don't know. Um, and this has been a really, really, really hard time for anybody who knows me. This election just blew me away. Um, and in our household, <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's such that uh, my granddaughter, Hadassah, got up that morning. She said, well, how did Donald Trump get to be president? <laughs> and I have struggled. Uh, I have prayed the night of... Tuesday, I, Tuesday night, I was tossing and turning. And I've been getting emails from my folks in California saying, it's okay, it's going to be all right. We've been through more, you know, we've been through this and more. It's not a big thing. I kind of put that aside for a minute, and I'm like, yeah, well. But I continue to be prayerful. Um, Went to see Angela Davis. That was really nice for me. <laughs> that was really nice for me. Um, I kind of come from her era. And um, I just have, I don't know when it happened, but there was a day this week sometime that I was reading um, in the morning before I get out of bed. I'm on my phone reading the news feeds about what's going on with Trump and the cabinet and, you know, all of these people that he's also putting into place that I have some issues around in terms of their philosophy about humanity um, and our world and people of color, people who are suffering. But, you know, somewhere something happened, and I know it's God, and I've gotten a some kind of resolve. It might be God and Pastor David who keeps saying, who keeps referencing us to um, the wilderness and things working out when you're at your worst. And I know that that has been true for me in a lot of my life. Um, things just seem to happen. You know, I go through it, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> so I, I just feel like we're going to be okay. I think that the madness is going to go away. Um, God's in control yes. and not Donald Trump, yes. and yes. I firm and, and I have to hold on to that. Because yes. if I don't hold on to that, then I'm going to be a basket case. 
Uh, honestly, I will be. I'll be very angry, and I won't be the kind Mama Regina that some of you know me as. But um, for 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 those of us who do feel this way, and that this election has been and, and, and it has been so difficult to just swallow that this is America, and for me, it's like, yeah, this is America. This is the America that I knew about a long time ago. This is the America that I've been living in, talking about, and it's finally just come to light to people who didn't believe that it could ever happen. So I just, I'm in good hands. I'm with God, and I think we all are. Hey, everyone. My name is Chris. Um, uh, so basically, since a little bit about me is like since I was in high school, I've wanted to be a teacher. I had a really awesome teacher. And it's like I was, you know, grew up in the church, too. So I always felt like it was my calling. And in college, I went to Northwestern because they had a secondary education major and started teaching right out of college. So a lot of my identity is wrapped up in this sense of calling I have for like wanting to teach in the city. And so this is my fifth year, and some of you guys may know that uh, I switched schools this year from a place where I was, like, good, but, like, philosophically about education. Like, I didn't feel so much lined up. Uh, And I'm at this, like, new school, and there was, like, quite the process of praying and, like, fasting to even make this decision. And I think what I had envisioned God taking me to was a place where I would feel better about day-to-day work. And, like, every time David preaches about the desert or the wilderness, I'm like, why did I think that? Like, why did I think God would call me to a place where I'm, like, happier, you know? And so, yes, this, the past couple of months are, like, just the hardest I've felt like. I, it's like being a fifth-year teacher and still failing, like, this hard is yeah. really uh, hard on my identity. And um, I think I'm still in it. And the only reason I'm sharing right now is a testimony to myself. Yeah. Because I don't have any wisdom to give. Yeah. But uh, I know, like, every day good or bad, or, or whatever happens uh, that, like, my identity is not in my performance yes, as a teacher, number one, yes. and that God has called me to this place. Yes. So uh, thank you guys for always asking how it's going, and sorry that I always give, like, two-minute answers instead of just saying, like, oh, it's good. It's always like, oof, it's not good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, like, yeah, I'm in a, I'm like, honestly, I'm in a day, place where every day I'm, like, fluctuating between, like, do I leave? Do I stay? Do I open a grocery store with Crystal? Like, what do I do, you know? Uh, real conversation. It's that bad. Uh, and, and, and I don't know, you know, and I, and I don't, I'm not saying, like, oh, yeah, not, you know. And, and, but I will say that, the harder school has been, the closer I have felt to God 
because there's nothing else to cling on to. So in that sense, like, I'm very thankful. Uh, so, yeah, I'm saying this for myself to say, like, it's real. Yeah. Yes. Pointing out, my left side is killing you all over here. So, just for what it's worth. Don't worry, I'm not going to talk about my hypothetical grocery store with Chris. Um, so, for those of you maybe that need to hear some reason to remind you of God being able to touch places that he that that you've decided that he's not just just not going to go there. Um, for, for those of you who know me pretty well, um, my, my family's a little bit complicated, or, or a lot complicated. Um, if you're in community group with me, I talk about them a lot. Um, every time I go home, it, it's complicated, like to the point where my dear husband knows that he has to gear up to something that will happen between my parents, or me and my parents, or my sister and me, or my sister and my parents, like, it's complicated. Um. Mostly because my parents' marriage sort of fell apart a long time ago, um, and they deal with it very differently. Yet somehow we all get together all the time. And now there's a grandchild, so like we definitely will always be in the same room. My sister got married over the weekend, which um, was great. Um, everybody was on their best behavior for my sister, and then, as expected, um, there were things after the day of the wedding. The day of the wedding was amazing, and my sister was very happy, which was very important to me and, you know, to my family. But after that, as expected, you know, things sort of spiraled out of control. Um, and I have been in this place for, like, the last 15 years that this has been, where I, like, flit around to different members of my family and, like, try to make it okay. Um, that's sort of the role that I play in my family. And in the meantime, like, I get very worked up about it. Um, and... For one thing, I'm like really thankful that I have a husband who is ever more patient of a person than I could ever be, and so he brings out those things in me, which I'm very grateful for. Um, but I also, if I am really honest, have been probably for 14 of 15 years in this place where like my family is the thing I don't pray about. Yeah. It, it just is the thing that like healing is going to be just... I can get home and everything will be fine and I'll spend hours on the phone with different members of my family separately and when I get off the phone, everything will be fine and everything will sweep under the rug and we'll just gear up for next time. Like That's how my family works. Um, I realized a long time ago and it makes me upset so I stopped thinking about the fact that I don't pray for my family. I like don't pray that that's going to fix because it's just not fixable. Like That's what I think. Um, and... So I talk about them a lot, and I pray to be able to love my family more and help them through situations and help myself through situations. But I don't actually think the thing's going to get fixed. I just think it's going to have to be dealt with for the rest of my life. Well, this thing happened after my sister got married, and my parents got into a big fight, and my aunt got into a big fight with them, and then they were all three going to be together in Houston without me or my sister, just the three of them, and I thought the whole world was going to fall apart. Um, and I was sort of gearing up for, like, phone calls, you know, and hoping that they were going to keep my sister out of it because she just got married. Um, but it turned into, like, actual real conversation, which I never in a million, like, 
conversation to the fact where, like, especially for the Asians in the room, like, therapy is not a thing for my parents' generation, especially since they didn't grow up here. Like, you don't talk about it. You don't say you need help. You don't want to air your dirty laundry. Like, you don't. Like, it makes sense for our generation, maybe. Like, it's been really helpful for my sister, and she talks about it all the time, and they're happy for her. But, like, it never will apply to them. I have now, for the last two days, woken up to texts and phone calls from my parents admitting that maybe there's some things that they need to talk about and there's some things that they individually need to heal for themselves and for each other. Uh, yeah. Like, I, I can't express to you, like, I, I don't even think that I've sat in, like, the reality of what it is to hear my dad in particular as, like, like your most stereotypical Asian male that doesn't deal with his feelings. Like, to hear my dad say, I've repressed a lot of things, maybe I should go talk to someone. Like, right, like, so yeah. If, if there are places in your life where you feel like that's just not the thing I'm going to pray for because it's there. And it always has been there, and I can get through it, and I can deal with it the way I've always dealt with it. And that's how God is there, right? Is that it's just going to stay and not blow up. And it's just not going to get fixed. Like, it's been this way in my family for 15 years. Like, for the last six years that I've known Juan and, like, been in relationship with him, he's known that that's just the way my family is. He gears up for it every time he sees any member of my family. Like, Yeah, I, God can change things. And I say all the time that like God is bigger than I can imagine him to be, and I don't think that I truly ever believe that. And I can't say that I believe that if, I, if that was true for like everything except this one thing. Yeah. So it's not except this one thing. It's, it's all of it. Yeah. Go to Susan here. So I'm Susan, and am weepy this morning as well. So um, kind of a trend on this side of the room, too. <laughs> um, but I, I just wanted to say, you know, I've, I've been with this church since the beginning, and I'm the type of person that hates crying in public, and I'm usually the person who's, like, serving everybody else. Or I, yeah, and over the last year, this church has really been there for me in some really important ways. And I think what I've, what God's been showing me is how much of a, a family and a body we are. Even if we don't know each other, and I look around the room, there's a lot of people I don't, I don't know at the moment. But um, I had a big decision about a job to make over the last few months, and. It was, it was beautiful to see the, the biggest part of the process for me being praying with people in this church and talking with people in this community and feeling that God was very clearly speaking through some of you uh, to me. And, and also feeling and knowing that this church being my family was a huge reason, a huge part of my decision process and whether I even moved forward 
with um, the job that I ended up taking. And so I am extremely grateful for how God has been showing me that um, in times where with my own immediate family it can be hard, um, you all are a family that is something much bigger um, than what I ever expected. And specifically, these two sitting next to me are um, pretty awesome in reaching out and praying. And um, I've, my job has taken me away from church a lot, and I, I travel a fair amount. And one beautiful thing that we all do together is text each other if we're not here. Where are you? Are you late? What are you doing? And, and then we've started sharing um, kind of live stream sermon notes or Google Docs of sermon notes. And it's been beautiful for me to feel like they're representative of this, this body. And, yeah. A couple more minutes. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Sandra. And... I am extremely close to my family, my parents. They mean the world to me. About 10 years ago, my father was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, which was difficult for the family, but we were okay with it. And my mother was my father's primary caregiver for years, and she dealt with it as a great wife would. And about four years ago, my mother started having her own issues. And it was around the same time that Chuck and I were planning to get married. And something just wasn't right with my mother. And it took a while for the doctors to figure it out and to diagnose her. But they diagnosed her with something called Lewy body dementia. And it is something, it has symptoms that resemble Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. But for her, it started out with hallucinations. So it was very troubling for the family. And as she was going through this, and as we were trying to get a proper diagnosis, I ended up having to take a leave from my job. I was off work for six weeks. Um, At the time, we were living in Arizona. My parents live in Wisconsin. So I was away from my new husband for six weeks. He handled it like a champ. (laughs) eventually told me I had to come home, though. (laughs) Um, So, but over the years, so my mother has been in her current state now for four years, my dad 10 years, and their conditions have progressively gotten worse. They are both still living at home. They have made it very clear to my brother and I that they want to stay at home as long as they can. And it's been a struggle watching them no longer be able to care for themselves. They need a lot of support. They need a lot of care. And we moved here to Chicago about six months ago. So I am now an hour and a half away from my parents. So I am able to be there. Um, I'm there just about every other weekend. I go and I spend the entire weekend with my parents. Um, I also occasionally make impromptu visits. So yesterday I just went for the day to spend with them. But for me... Where I get my peace and my joy is, even though my parents are no longer the people that I know, I know that 
God is watching over them. There are countless people in my family and in our community that care for them. When I was there last weekend, somebody I did not even know showed up at the house, and she brought vegetables for my family. Wow. Um, yesterday, when I was there, or also that same weekend, my nephew showed up. He brought cake for my family. Wow. Yesterday, I, I, so my brother is their primary caregiver now. My brother, he has days where he is frustrated with them um, because they're not always cooperative. Um, they don't always want care when they need care. And so it's nice knowing that I'm able to give him the break that he needs. And I have a cousin that comes in twice a day. You know, she came in yesterday as I was leaving. And, you know, I had tried to get my dad ready, and he wouldn't cooperate with me. My cousin walked in, and he was like, okay, Hmm. let's do this. Hmm. And, And so... I get my joy and my peace in knowing that there are people in my family and in our community that are watching out yeah, for them. Yeah, yeah. I know that they are not in pain. Yeah. I know that they don't have a need for anything, that everything is being taken care of. I am able to sleep at night yeah. because I know God is watching over them. Yes, yes. And so I'm just grateful yeah. that they are at peace. Chuck, Chuck will be our last person. Oh, so oh I didn't pressure. want to do that. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, since we're a team, we're just going to tag team on this one. And um, what I'm hearing in a lot of the conversations and what everybody is saying is, is built around transition. We are here at a certain point, and we're moving to a certain point, whether it be a long futuristic look over three years, five years, whatever the plan may be, or whether it's moment to moment. We're transitioning. And Sandra and I transitioned. I transitioned four times in our marriage that's going on its fifth year. I left my home in Denver, hated that. Um, Moved to Phoenix. It was great. It's warm down there. It's not cold right now. Um, Sandra transitioned to a new job. We transitioned to Columbus, Ohio. Loved Columbus, Ohio. Didn't want to leave. Didn't even want to come to Chicago. So transitioned again. But... Um, and, and I'll sort of add this to, I don't know if anybody's a sci-fi junkie like I am, but I went and saw a movie yesterday, Arrival. Has anybody, I don't know if anybody's seen that, but um, here's the thing. We have been given an absolute gift in Jesus Christ, yes, okay? Yes. And with this gift, we have victory at the end. That's what we yes. know. That's our future. Uh, we know that. And what would you do with those transitions in a three- to five-year span, a minute-to-minute span, a moment-to-moment span, mm-hmm. if you knew yes. victory? What yes. would you do? Yes. Whose life would you impact? Yes. What would you actually change? How would you actually feel going through those transitions? Yes. Actually, there's joy in these transitions. We keep talking about you know, fear and those types of things. But if we really know victory, yes. how is that going to change our life right now, yes. how we would live it going forward? Yes. So transitioning is a good thing. It's life. Um, let's all enjoy the ride. Amen. Amen. We're going to receive our offering now, um, and then we will uh, wrap up uh, with the benediction. Uh, let me pray for our offering. God, now receive these uh, tithes and offerings. Um, thank you, Lord, for the generosity of stories we heard today. 
Thank you for the, um, the extravagance of, uh, of testimonies that we are invited to participate in today, that in a way uh, our faith is nourished because of your goodness to the person sitting next to us. Continue to form that in us, Lord God. Continue to make evident, not simply uh, in our heads, but in our experience, that you're king of everything, of every moment, of every transition, um, as we just were reminded, Lord, that, that there's not a, a square second uh, or inch of our lives that falls outside of your lordship. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we'll pass these baskets now. Um, please, tithes and offerings, and then welcome cards and prayer cards, if those could uh, get dropped in there as well. Let me make a couple of announcements before our benediction. Um, again, our pats and potluck are coming up. Um, if there are particular prayer requests around traveling for Thanksgiving, let us know. We'd love to support you in that. And then Advent begins next Sunday. Uh, I mentioned this in the newsletter. For Christians, uh, our church calendar means that next Sunday is actually the first day of the year. So if you're really ready for 2016 to be done, you're in luck. Because it's been rough. This year has been rough. Uh, So we start a new year next year as Christians with the season of Advent, which is the season of anticipation and preparation for Jesus. It's a season that reminds us um, that we are a waiting and a longing people, that we're a people in transition, that though God is with us and faithful to us here and now, we are looking forward to and anticipating his return. Amen? Because as Chuck reminded us, we know how the story ends. And we're waiting and longing and working for that end uh, even now. So be with us, please, next Sunday as we begin that, uh, begin that Advent season. Uh, any other things I should be saying? Go ahead and stand up where you are, please. Do you all know the doxology? Can we sing the doxology together? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I'm going to ask that you kind of turn and face toward each other so you're kind of blessing and sending each other. Okay, can we do this without it being too awkward? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly Praise Father, Son. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Pray for each other. We'll see you back next week.